Welcome to Scary Savannah and Beyond. And I bet you're wondering why I'm dressed up like the big bad wolf. You're not dressed up like the big bad wolf. You literally just posted a picture of yourself with a wolf's head photoshopped on it. Oh my body, of course I did. You're no fun at all. I'm a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, you keep talking in that tone of voice and people might start <laughs> to begin to believe you. And if you keep it up, I'll Photoshop your head on the Humpty Dumpty's body. I'd kill you. You probably would. So I certainly hope you don't watch this episode (laughs) of Scary Savannah and Beyond. You know, I actually put hours of effort into that costume for this episode. Into Photoshop? Yeah. Yeah, into, into Photoshop. But... Since you have well pointed out that my costume doesn't really fit in with your idea of what costume should be, since you're all, it's not real, it's a picture you spent five minutes on putting your head crudely on a body, I'm going to say why I was dressed up this way. It's because that costume goes well with our theme today, which we'll get into in just a minute. But first, Crystal, please tell me, how has your week been? I can't really remember because I have this gigantic mic screen in my face and it's very distracting. These are the biggest mic covers in the history of the world. If you are not watching this on YouTube, you have to go at least look at the YouTube just to see these microphone screens. They are they're truly ridiculous. ridiculous, aren't they? What size would you say this is like the size of a volleyball? They're approximately the size of a hula hoop. I'd say volleyball. A small hula hoop. It's not a hula hoop. Okay, fine. A volleyball. A volleyball. It is kind of volleyball Imagine a volleyball right in your face as you're trying to talk and look at a computer. It's not easy. But one of the benefits of this is, is that you see less of my face, right? I don't see less of your face. I still see it. You still see my face? Yes. That's horrific. I'm so sorry (laughs) that you have to live with such a situation. (laughs) What I can't see is my computer. Why would you need to see well, that? Well, I don't because you wrote the script and I you get to read this it. Episode. So that saves me the trouble this time. You didn't even have to be here, apparently. I don't. And we, Bye. Just, and we just started back on keto and she's not eating as much as she had been because reasons. And now she's feeling kind of weak tonight. I right? gotta look cute for the holidays. I can't be gaining 20 pounds eating cookies and turkey. And well, I can eat the turkey, I can't eat the sides. Yeah, your conundrum today was, oh, no, we're going to have your parents come over in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And then what are we going to do? We're going to have to make like three turkeys. No, I said two turkeys and a ham. I don't want to do the ham till Christmas, but I don't want to do a turkey and then another turkey the following week. It's just a whole bunch. What else can you have besides ham and turkey? I don't know. Pizza. Mexican. I'm fine with that. (laughs) That sounds good to me. So that's going to bring us to the story for this week's episode. And so we're segueing from pizza and Mexican into whatever this story is about. Yeah. Does it segue well? Yeah, it does, actually. It segues almost as well as Layla's constant snoring. Oh, well, you're the one that put her bed right in the middle of the floor to let our, her lay there and snore. Our producers felt like they needed to be here. It felt, felt like they aren't giving enough. They felt kind of bad. As a matter of fact, about their contribution to the podcast. So Coffee brought Layla in as a supervisor to see who could snore the loudest, apparently. I think it's I think it's Layla. 
It's definitely, it's definitely her. <laughs> so I've been fascinated by horror stories for years, and we watch tons of horror stuff. If you could read the books that are sitting behind Crystal right now, you would see that we have stuff by H.P. Lovecraft, Edgar Allan Poe, and possibly some handbooks to some of the furniture that we own, which Crystal finds horrifying because she never, ever reads any kind of instruction manual ever. If you need instructions on how to turn on a fireplace, an electric fireplace, or a television, you need serious help. Yeah, she got the fireplace to replace a fireplace insert we had in our living room. And I pulled out the instruction manual, as you know, any normal human being would do. And I flipped open to it and it told you you can't do certain things. And I said, I read, I read out of the manual and it made her mad and she made me leave. And then she just did it herself because she just can't stand dealing with me. I can't stand following directions. I am well aware of your adverse reactions to being suggested to do anything. I like to figure things out on my own. Yeah. Just but, throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. Yeah. you. Well, that's basically how you <laughs> installed that fireplace. I did. I bring all this up to say that we find horror to be really interesting because it shows aspects of the human condition, which to sum up is pretty much terrible. That's why there's so much true crime out there. People love awful people and what they do for some reason. Why do you think that is? Think people are just fascinated by it. Do you think that might be part of the reason why people enjoy horror movies? I think so. It's something that... Well, that and in that case, I think people like a little bit of being afraid. It's a little adrenaline rush. It's not too much that you're actually going to like be in danger, but just the kind of the thrill of you could be in that danger zone. I could be in this camp, in this forest with this serial killer, with these people dressed up in these cool 80s clothes and that Camaro and such, right? You could be. I most definitely would be. I would be one of the first three to die. Yeah. Or I'd be the killer. One I don't know. I'd be somewhere in between. According to a semi-recent report that I read, horror book sales were ranked fifth in 2021, and it has been on an upwards trend ever since. Kind of like Halloween. We just keep spending more and more. I thought we scared. would have spent less because you hardly decorated outside of this podcast studio this year. What are you talking about? Our whole house is decorated with Halloween. It's still basically 75% of what you would normally have done, though. No, it's not. I got every single thing out that I have for Halloween. I don't. Have you been through the house? I've never actually walked through my own you home. You know, our table has so many things on it. We have to move everything just to play a game. Well, that's the case all year long. No, There's tablecloths and dishes and such. And I don't usually have decorate. I don't usually have dishes on the table. Well, you don't. You're right. It's a bare table. Yeah, usually. Okay, well, we're spending more money. I don't mean us. I mean as a population. Oh, as a whole. Yes, like we talked about in our last episode, Halloween. Candy sales are on an upward trend. (laughs) Yeah. From this year over last year. It's over billions of dollars. It's It's, like three billion. That is so much money for candy. I can't even fathom that. But I can understand it because candy is extremely addictive. Mm Mm-hmm. So it seems we as a population are increasing our consumption of horror and horror-related properties since the mid-2010s. And we can find horror in everything around us. I don't even want to bring up the recent events that were only supposed to last two weeks. Aha! That's a good one, Crystal. You know what I mean. I don't know what you mean. 
COVID. I know. <laughs> Just kidding. Even kids love horror. We've recently been watching the new Goosebumps on Disney+, and it's quite a bit darker than the episodes we remember from when our kids were younger, right? Yeah, Kirsten was scared of them back then. They had one about a doll, and she was scared of dolls after that. Was it Slappy, or was it some no, other kind of No, it was doll? a little girl doll that was the size of the little girl, and it would come to life. And it, it, I don't remember what it did. It wasn't like super scary, but to her, she was probably six or seven. Well, she was also scared of the sound of a train whistle she at was. night, too. So she was kind of she was very scared of jumpy things. about yeah. such things anyhow. Yeah. But did you know that horror for children isn't a new thing? Like it's a really old thing. Like a really, really old like thing. Like older than the R.L. Stein books I read as a child. Only by a few years. Okay. If by a few years we're talking about, I don't know, several hundred. Hundreds of years? Yes, okay. exactly. I'm actually just seeing how many times I can say like in an episode before you slap me. Yeah. I don't even know I hate it noticed. when people say like. In I want to a... be like every other podcast. <laughs> I want to say like every other word. Or so. So this is what I'm going to say so. about liking things. <laughs> Here we go. That's what I like. <laughs> Some people play a game where. You have to take a shot every time the person says a word because th- that they frequently say. You mean a specific word or yes. just any word in general? No, no, no. So like, it's like two paragraphs in, they're all dead of alcohol poisoning. It's like and so usually. What would be our word, you think? Spooky. Spooky. No, what say it, that much. No, I think our word what was would the be word? so. I think that what would be What was the it. word you used to say? Creepy. Creepy, yeah. <laughs> Creepy would be my word, but I have not used it in quite you a while. Haven't. I learned that, although I haven't learned how to push tables, chairs under them. Yeah. Chairs under tables, that is correct. See, I can't even say it. I so, know. Every time I walk by the table, the chair is out. Why is the chair always out? It's like we decided to go back to our diet, and that means cooking and eating at home, which should be less stressful. Oh. But it's not. Yeah. Because then the kitchen is a mess. It's terrible. And then the table and chairs are a mess. How's that my fault? Because you didn't push your chair under. That ruined everything then. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) How about we get back to that good old history? What do you say? (laughs) All right. Tell me something scary. Picture it. Germany, the late 1790s. Two brothers, Jacob and Wilhelm, two of 10 children of their parents, Dorothy and Philip Wilhelm Grimm. Is that not Dorothea? Dorothea. Is it Dorothea? Mm-hmm. Okay. Scratch that. Pretend like I said Dorothea. They were in school getting that great German education, as everyone else always want to talk about. Can you imagine having 10 children? I can't even imagine having these two dogs. Oh, the four children we had, that was a lot to keep up with. They were, especially since you needed to know where all four of them were at any given time. Oh, I always did. You still do. Well, I've got two of them on Life 360. The other two won't let me. Only because them. of me. I downloaded it so I keep track of you. I know. And then you they stalk saw me. us. And our, one of our daughters like added us to a circle and called it Parent Stalker Circle. Yeah. And I don't know if that means that she thinks that we're stalking her 
or they're stalking us. I think it's mutual. We get to stalk them and they stalk us as well. We just stay on top of what everybody's doing except for our two sons who are incognito and no one knows what yeah, they're doing. We, one of them doesn't have social media at all, so we never know what he's doing. Unless he just tells us. The other one has social media, but he's never on it. He randomly looks at it, but he's never posted anything that I can recall. He's still got a picture from 15 years ago, I Probably. think, as, <laughs> as his image. But by all accounts regarding our good friends Jacob and Wilhelm, they were both fantastic students and wanted to follow in the footsteps of their father, Philip, to pursue a degree in law and German history. So he was an educated man. Now I know it for sure. I hate him. <laughs> so I guess that's how he could afford 10 children. Well, I didn't say that they could afford 10 oh, children. Okay. I just said they had 10 children. Okay. They had relocated recently to a city named Steinhal on der Straub, which I'm pronouncing that in my most German accent possible because I'm sure I butchered that. Just fake it till you make it. That's what I do. As Philip had been named a district magistrate there. And I think that might be a fancy term for lawyer. 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 It seems that at that time, yeah, you're right, they were fairly well-to-do as they had a very nice house and were wealthy enough to have had servants. Their family were also known as prominent members of society. Here's a picture of their house from that time period. It's a really cool house. Very fancy. I don't think it was taken from that time period because there's a car. No, it's definitely from that time period. <laughs> you, they had cars in Europe. In seventeen ninety. Before they had them in America, you know they had them in Europe, right? No, I you didn't know that. We should do an episode about that. They might, but they didn't have them in seventeen ninety. You don't know what you're talking about. Okay, and also, first I think of there's all, a power Germans line. invented engineering. Germans invented cars. Germans also invented the internet. Okay. All three of these things are part of this story. Okay. Their mother, Dorothea, was a devout Lutheran and tried to instill her values in her children. She also wanted to make sure that they were well-educated and brought private tutors to their home and even sent the kids to school for a classical education when they reached the proper age. Everything seemed to be going well for the Grimm family, that is, until poor Philip died from a bout of pneumonia, which was disastrous for the family as he was the source of income for everybody. I guess he had no 401k. They didn't invent that. That's oh, like they the, had cars. One thing, the one thing the Germans did They had didn't cars, but not a 401k. Create. No, no. Because that would have just been silly. A 401k <laughs> back in the 1790s. Like, that that like at least put some money in a can and buried in, in the in yard. Put a something. Put some money in a sock. Bury it in the backyard. It's, it's, it's for your well-being. At this point, Jacob, being the older brother of Wilhelm, was left to be head of the household and to try to find ways to support the Grimms. Due to this loss of funds, they had to downsize, so they had to leave the beautiful place that they had called their home. Did the house have a name? I don't know. I don't know that they had stuff like that. As much as in the southeast United States where everything had a name. We know all these castles and houses in Europe. Castle Edenberg. They all have names in Europe, too. If they had names, they didn't think it worthy enough to put it in my materials. Well, I was it needs a name. It's a very well, give it a name. substantial Why don't you call it spinach? No, that's what I'm naming my new dog. <laughs> 
Fortunately for them, Dorothea's sister was Henriette Zimmer, who just happened to be Lady of the Chamber to the Landgravine of Hesse. Sounds important. That's probably misspelled and misread. (laughs) Their grandfather, Johann Hermann Zimmer, was also there to help them out financially. I looked up what a lady of the chamber is, and according to Wikipedia, it means it's the title of a lady-in-waiting, which is the position of official attendant to some form of royalty. I didn't know what a lady-in-waiting was from a former story we did. Oh, I don't even remember that. You don't remember? I don't remember anything. It was the one we got the tattoos from. We got tattoos? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I think that her being in that position probably would indicate that she might have a few bucks to spare, as it sounds like if you're a personal attendant to royalty, that you might be at least close to some cash. What do you think? You can probably have some access. I don't know if you should be accessing <laughs> well, it. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting my hands on it, what I'm saying. I might not be out to doing it. Fortunately for Jacob and Wilhelm, with her support, they were able to go to a prestigious high school known as Lyseum in Castle, and there they both excelled at their studies. But then, after they started attending Lyseum, their grandfather passed away as well, which brought up another uncertain financial situation for them and their hopes to continue their studies at university. The brothers decided they would work their hardest to try to live up to their father's footsteps, and it said they would study as much as 12 hours a day to do so. Mm, I'm out on that one. You're out. That means you have to get up early at some point somewhere. Uh, 12 hours. It doesn't necessarily. You could just go like 12 to 12. I guess you could, but they were working too. Oh, they had a job? Yeah, they, they had to provide for the oh family. Everybody's they dead. What were they doing? I don't know. Probably working in a coal mine. Did they have those in Germany? Uh, I doubt it. They also shared the same room and bed while at school. Again, money being an issue. When Jacob graduated in 1802, he was head of his class. But unfortunately for Wilhelm, he contracted asthma and scarlet fever and that forced him to graduate a year after Jacob. They both were able to attend the University of Marburg to study law and received special dispensation to do so. This was very helpful as they didn't have the social standing that was usually required in order to be allowed admittance to this prestigious school of law. While at the university, Jacob got to know Professor Friedrich Carl von Savigny. Savigny? Looks like Savigny. We're going with Savigny. Savigny. Who was the founder of the historical school of law. Friedrich allowed the brothers to use his personal library while they were at the school, which was instrumental in what was to come for the brothers. Friedrich invited Jacob to go with him to Paris as an assistant for one year, and while he was away, Wilhelm spent his time reading and becoming increasingly fascinated with German literature. This encouraged him to start collecting books. When Jacob returned to rejoin his brother, he too became fascinated with the writings, so much so that he changed his focus from law to German literature. Doesn't sound as profitable. 
I don't think the these are the types of people that care about profit. I thought They're, they were trying to make money to support their whole family. Well, they were, but, you know, sometimes culture takes precedence over, you know, your family starving to death, as it were. Both brothers eventually went on to become professors and maintained their interest in stories. Two of their friends, Clemens Brentano and Akim von Arnim, which is definitely not pronounced right, but it's as close as I'm going to get, had a desire to publish a book of folk tales. So they requested the Grimm's collect oral stories for their publication. So they set out to do just that. They collected books and asked their friends to tell them stories and also asked them to get stories from their friends, etc., etc., ad nauseum. You know what that means? Mm-hmm. It means it makes me sick. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just assumed it did. It sounds like it would. <laughs> their main focus here was to gather all of this material together in order to write history of old German prose to memorialize you know, their history and for historical purposes. German prose. German prose. German writing, so German folk drab. stories. Well, not until you hear them. You can't okay. judge them until you hear them. And it was, of course, not to make money. I mean, that is of not at not. all what they were doing. And this leads us up to the story that we're telling tonight of the books that they wrote for, quote unquote, children. I'd like to see these kids that these stories well, were written for. Once children you hear weren't coddled back then like they are these days. They were working in the coal mines of Germany. Yeah, you didn't get this watered down, whatever they put on TV these days for children. And apparently somebody back then, some kids were making cars. Mm-hmm. They had cars in that picture. Mm-hmm. Clearly cars Electricity were a thing. and everything. They probably didn't have the robots. They probably cars invented together. electricity before we even heard about it over here. I would not be shocked. Germans have that kind of ability. They just do mm-hmm. it. They do it all the time. All thanks to the children because they didn't sit around and baby them. That's right. They read them scary stories. Made them work in coal mines. Car <laughs> assembly lines. I put children in quotation marks because the original stories from the Brothers Grimm were anything but the fairy tales you've heard from places like Disney. There were several editions of their stories published, the initial one being released in 1812 and containing 86 stories, with the final one being published in 1857. By the time that was published, it contained over 200 stories. When the first few editions were released, they were marketed for children, but in reality, they were anything but. And see, so you look at me like you think, oh, they're coddling it. Wait till you hear some of the stuff that was actually in these stories that were geared towards kids. Okay, well, I have to put myself into the position of being a child, let's say 10 years old, in 18, what did you say, 1810? It ranged. It depends on when you're reading the stories, but it Germany. was the early 1800s I'm a to the German mid 1800s. Little girl in 1810. You were a you were a Frau, or mm-hmm. a Frau lady. I think I Frau's a lady. Okay, well I'm a little one. I should know because one of the stories is actually called Frau something, but we'll find out when we get to okay, it. Okay, I'm going to see if I'm shocked. We'll see. I don't know that you'll be As a shocked. It's not like it's probably not something that sounds crazy to you now. 
But if you read something like this to kids in the 60s, I don't know. Tell me if look at it through those glasses, maybe. I well, don't we baby like children here in the United States, not in Germany. They don't do that. You're getting down <laughs> with the stories and you're going to like them. With the dismembering. Okay, so let me see. I want to see if I'm shocked by okay. this. Okay, well, we're going to find out. Over time, they actually did tone down some of the themes, but that's no fun. So tonight, we're talking about some of the scariest stories from the earlier versions of the books. So basically, the first children's horror novel. Is it scarier than like R.L. Stein's uh, Fear Street? Probably. Do people get dismembered in Fear Street? I don't know. I don't well, remember. Well, then I can't and they die. answer that question. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of dying. Yeah. There's a lot of dying in these stories. Okay. And some of them are quite gruesome, actually. I'm going to go through the stories in no particular order, so I'm not ranking them per se. But you can decide what is most disturbing for you in your own time. Okay. I'll reflect on this. Please do. First, I'm going to start with a few stories that everyone's familiar with, and then I'll move on to the more disturbing ones. Even the ones that you've seen on Disney movies are definitely a lot darker than what you remember from those shows before we get to, you know, the ones that I actually consider to be kind of messed up, because there's a few that are actually just really kind of messed up. So number one on the list for tonight, in no particular order, is the story of Cinderella. So it's not a pretty blonde girl who gets taken away by a prince and becomes a princess when she loses her shoe? Almost exactly not like that. Okay. As I mentioned earlier, the Brothers Grimm had collected folk stories for their publication. So not everything they say in their stories reflects all of the history for each of the tales. And some earlier versions not exactly like in their collection, are even more disturbing. The origin of the Cinderella story can be traced back to the 9th century AD in China. And in 1634, Italian writer Giambattista Basile, Basil, Basile, Basile, wrote the Pentamaron. In it was his story, Cat Cinderella. In that version of the story, Cinderella actually uses the lid of a dressing trunk to snap her stepmother's neck. Well, she probably had it coming. See, you know, you ever of seen course, these stepmothers in these they're stories? Always evil. They're always evil. The they, wicked stepmother. Do they always deserve to be decapitated, though? Yes. Of course, you would say that. But it's okay, of course, because Cinderella's governess had told her to do it. So I'm sure these days she'd probably get off scot free in a court of law because. Mental duress and such. Then the governess that encouraged her to do uh, this marries Cinderella's widowed father and forces her to go work in the kitchen. Tell as old as time. It is. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> the rest of that version is fairly similar. She does go to a feast. She does dress up. And she does lose a slipper. Although it's not made of glass, it's leather and fur. Sounds more comfortable than glass. It does. It sounds a lot more practical. Did the mice make the stress for her? Did not see anything about mice, but oh. they may have been in there. She does still get her happy ever after in this story that you're familiar with. So that does work out for her. But in the original Grimm version, you get treated to more craziness from the stepmother. You remember how the shoe had to fit the lady's foot, mm -hmm. Cinderella's foot, to prove that she was 
who the prince wanted. Because two women couldn't possibly wear the same size shoe. Exactly. Not like it, 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 my daughter and I wear the same size shoe. So what if some random dude comes knocking on the door and be like, one of you lost this shoe and whoever it was has to marry me, but, the, but fits both. Then what do you do? But if the other one foot don't fit in it, let me tell you what happens to them. Peoples. Okay. <laughs> so the stepmother wanting her daughters to fit the slipper actually encourages the girls to mutilate their own bodies. Here's the actual excerpt from the story below. And when it was evening, Cinderella wanted to go home, and the prince was about to go with her when she ran past him so quickly that he could not follow her, but he had laid a plan. The next morning, he went to the father and told him that none should be his bride save the one whose foot the golden shoe should fit. Then the two sisters were very glad because they had pretty feet. The eldest went to her room to try on the shoe, and her mother stood by, but she could not get her great toe into it, for the shoe was too small. Then her mother handed her a knife and said, cut the toe off, for when you are queen, you will never have to go on foot. So the girl cut her toe off, squeezed her foot into the shoe, concealed the pain, and went down to the prince. Then he took her with him on his horse as his bride and rode off. They had to pass by the grave, and there sat the two pigeons on the hazel bush, and they cried, There they go, there they go, there is blood on her shoe, the shoe is too small, not the right bride at all. Okay, I'm not so against the cutting off the toe, because her mother's... I mean, that makes sense. the, The stepmother's right, or the mother of the girl is right, because... If you want to be queen, there's going to be sacrifice. And the least you can do is lose a toe. I mean, for goodness sake, what are you going to need that toe for after that? That's the exact point she's trying to make I mean, right if here. you're thinking about living. You're going to be living, a kept woman and such. Yeah. I mean, in this society, being queen. Okay, come on. So, yeah, cut the toe off. But you've got to bandage up the toe so it doesn't bleed all over the golden shoe, for goodness sake. I mean, come on. This ain't no glass slipper. Apparently. Well, then you could see the, yeah, it's a good thing that it wasn't glass. Yeah, but yeah I, I just think she made a little faux pas by not bandaging it. A little faux pas? Yeah. Just a small faux pas. She should have bandaged the toe. So basically, that didn't pan out for sister number one. So Ooh, sister number what's two sister is two called do? up. And she, her, you know, the mother's trying to get her to be the one picked since the first one to get picked. So her mother handed her a knife and said, Cut off a piece of your heel. When you're a queen, you will never have to go on foot. So the girl cut off a piece of her heel and thrust her foot into the shoe, concealed the pain, and went down to the prince who took his bride before him on his horse and rode off. This guy sounds a little dense to me. Yeah, he's a little gullible. Just a little stupid, maybe. Yeah. You know, maybe it's not their like, fault for doing this. Maybe I know, it's his fault. I know, like, but... Maybe you want to just like look at the foot first and hold it up to the shoe and you get sort of an idea if it's going to work and you could kind of like just dismiss some women well, right thing away. Is, if she's so like, interchangeable, then why was he so smitten with her if he can't even tell her apart? I know. Like does she look like them at all? Like, but it comes down to just does your foot fit this shoe? I know. It's I, like, do you look anything? Okay. She was blonde and you're brunette. I just must be crazy. What does the shoe fit? Yeah. Well, it sort of does. I mean, there's blood all over it and such. <laughs> So the girl had cut off a piece of her heel and felt the pain, went to the prince, do the same thing, 
wash, rinse, and repeat. And they passed by the hazel bush again, and the two pigeons said, There they go, there they go. There is blood on her shoe. The shoe was too small, not the right bride at all. So are they cleaning this shoe in between? Probably because not. there's a lot of blood. I mean, this is back then. There's a lot of blood they on the shoe. didn't know what hygiene was back then. But how are they going to tell if it's fresh blood or if it was the sister's blood? I'm sure they had sorcerers in the kingdom that could but do that. But it's just a pigeon ratting around. There's, you'll find in a lot of these stories, there's a bird that yeah, has well, a big see, part to play. Stepmother, after the first one happened, she should have gone out there and got rid of those two pigeons before the other sister went out. She should have. There's a lot of mistakes being made. Well, you should see the on mistakes behalf of a lot of these people women. making these other stories involving birds. I can't it gets wait. way worse. So let's see how smart Prince finishes this story out. He doesn't even have a name. He's just Prince. Yeah, he's Prince. Then the Prince looked at her foot and saw how the blood was flowing from the shoe and staining the white stocking. And he turned his horse right around and brought the false bride home again. <laughs> so he had to look at her stocking and her foot, not her face, yeah, not her character, her foot. You know, he can't determine what kind of woman she is just by anything but shoe size. Mm. Is that how, is, is this a statement on men? I think so. That they're that they're forced to look at this one thing. Usually, so, it's not feet, though. So, yeah, I mean there are some guys, but but that's a whole different that's kind a whole different of thing. Uh, thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, needless to say, he gets back to Cinderella, and the shoe fits, and the prince looks her in the face, and he knew again that the beautiful maiden that had danced with him was her, because for some reason he couldn't tell earlier. He said, "This is the right bride, the stepmother." And the two sisters were thunderstruck and grew pale with anger. But he put Cinderella before him on his horse and rode off. And as they passed the hazel bush, the two white stool pigeons, as I'll call them, cried, There they go, there they go. No blood on her shoe. The shoe's not too small. The right bride is she, after all. So the sisters messed their feet up. And the two white pigeons helped rat them out. Surely that was bad enough, right? I mean, they're disfigured for life, uh, presumably. Yeah, so on their now feet. you might need that toe. Yeah, they might need that now. But of course, this being one of the Grimm brothers' tales, that was not nearly enough for them to suffer. So here's how the story actually ends. And when her wedding with the prince was appointed to be held, the false sisters came, hoping to curry favor and to take part in the festivities. So as the bridal procession went to the church, the eldest walked on the right side and the younger on the left, and the pigeons picked out an eye of each of them. And as they returned, the elder was on the left side and the younger on the right, and the pigeons picked out the other eye of each of them. And so they were condemned to go blind for the rest of their days because of their wickedness and falsehood. The end. I really enjoyed that, actually. That's kind of messed up. It was very uplifting, though, especially at the end where I they got love, bonded and they're presumably, you know, lame as well. I would love to see this as a movie instead of the cheesy stuff they fed us in school. Yeah, you want to hear the real stories, the hardcore stories, I the stories that have a meaning. If they've made this into a movie, a real one. I don't know. It would be interesting to look up. Mm-hmm. That brings us to our second story of the night, which is the story of Hansel and Gretel. I actually know the true story of Hansel and Gretel. Hansel? <laughs> Hansel? Hansel. Well, I guess you can be a real critic and tell me if I got this one right. Okay, because I've heard this one. Oh, you have? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In their story, Hansel and Gretel were children of a woodcutter and his wife. 
they were very poor, and then the land in where they lived had a great dearth to go on top of the poorness, mm. because that's a bad combination for anybody to have. So the good father decided to take the advice of his wife, who said to the father, What will become of us? We cannot even feed our children. There is nothing left for ourselves. I will tell you what, husband, answered the wife. We will take the children early in the morning into the forest where it is thickest. We will make them a fire and we will give each of them a piece of bread. Then we will go to our work and leave them alone. They will never find the way home again and we shall be quit of them. So she sounds like a real jewel of a The woman. women in these stories are always They're like, a real jewel yeah. is what she is. No, wife, says the man. I cannot do that. I cannot find in my heart to take my children into the forest and leave them there alone. The wild animals would soon come and devour them. And she responds with words of wisdom, really. Oh, you fool. Then we... All four will starve. You had better get the coffins ready. And she left him no peace until he consented. But I really pity the poor children, said the man. So it's well, nice to see that the father had, was all heart. Yeah, but she's not wrong. So just take your kids out and dump them in the forest to starve to death. I'm not saying it's the solution. I'm just saying she's trying to be practical. Oh. But you got to come up with some other solution besides leaving your children in to the woods. To starve and be eaten by wild animals? Yeah, maybe. You find practicality in that, though, so it's kind of terrifying me, actually. What I mean is they are going to die, but they need to figure out some other way than but just getting rid of the children. know that. How are they going to survive even without the children? Well, there's, you know, twice as much food left, I guess. Well, it's still so not enough. It can't be enough. The dearth. Who knows? Uh, they gotta, They got to come up with some new solution well they didn't so <laughs> somehow hansel had an idea that something was wrong so the night before he goes out and fills his pockets with white flints as they walk hansel drops the flints to mark their path in order to find their way home so the parents try to abandon them but the kids find their way home and then they knock on the door and the mom acts like they overslept and got lost in the woods and scolds them. Sorry, kids. <laughs> yeah. The moose out front should have told you never to return. Yeah. The dad's happy that they're home, though, you know, so that's that's nice. That's nice. Another scarcity pops up in the land a little bit later after this, and they have the same plan. But this time, the children overhear their plot. Mm -hmm. So Hansel means to go outside and to get more stones, knowing that they're going to be let out into the woods. But the wife had locked the door so he couldn't get outside to get the stones. So this time he takes a piece of bread and leaves breadcrumbs behind them to mark the trail. But this plan didn't work for obvious reasons. The crumbs were eaten by the woodland creatures. So they couldn't find their way out of the woods and are forced to sleep there yet again. They then come upon a snow-white bird on the third morning since they were left who sang a song that was very sweet. When it finished, it flew away and the children follow. It flies to a small house where the children find that the house is actually made from bread. It is roofed with cakes and had windows made of transparent sugar. These birds are always leading you in the wrong direction. Sometimes they go the right Ratting way. On you. Sometimes they just bad news mm -hmm. is what they are. So what do they do? 
they immediately begin to eat the house. Of course. Why wouldn't you? My favorite line from this entire story says that Gretel stood by the window and gnawed on it. (laughs) That's my favorite line. This is hilarious. I'll actually read you a few lines from the story. Then they heard a thin voice call out from inside, nibble, nibble like a mouse. Who is nibbling at my house? And the children answered, never mind. It is the wind. And they went on eating, never disturbing themselves. Hansel, who found that the roof tasted very nice, took down a great piece of it. And Gretel pulled out a large round window pane and sat down and began upon it. So these kids, they just eat in the house, but it's okay because it's just the wind. It's like eat you out the of wind's house talking and home. Back to yeah. me, telling you that I'm just the wind. <laughs> I guess this is where eat us out of house and home. Yeah, comes from. They're like the wind. <laughs> of course, the old woman comes out and treats them real nice and invites them to come into the house because she sees these poor neglected children and she's going to take care of them. Of course, she's a wicked witch. Always because they always are. If they live in the woods. In a grim brother's tale, whoever they are, it's they live in the woods. They're either a witch, a robber, or some sort of nefarious being is what seems to be the going theme. The story then says, the old woman, although her behavior was kind, was a wicked witch who lay in wait for children and had built the little house on purpose to entice them. When they were once inside, she used to kill them, cook them, and eat them, and then It was a feast day with her. So parents were always just dropping their children off into these woods? I mean, why not, though? Apparently, scarcity is the mother of invention. So it wasn't just this one isolated incident. Either that or she goes out hunting for children and such. But why would they be out in the woods? So I guess maybe she just knew it was going to happen. So she throws Hansel in a cage for four weeks and forces Gretel to cook for him to fatten him up while... Gretel herself is barely fed. Then on the day she was to cook Hansel, she has the oven hot and tells Gretel to go in and check to make sure that it's just hot enough for her intended purposes. Of course, Gretel is too smart for this, so she says she doesn't know how to do it. How shall she get into this oven? If only there were some sort of leading by example (laughs) to happen here. So the witch gets mad and stoops down and puts her head in the oven to show her side. Hey, look, that's how you do it. You just get down like this. You stick your head right in the oven, and it's just how you do it. And then Gretel immediately pushes her in and locks the door on the witch, who is consumed by the flames. So how's that? How's that strike you? Is this not how it went in the story we read? It is, but the story ain't over. Oh, okay. So she then goes and rescues Hansel. Now that the witch is gone, they can explore the house. And what do they find? What you would find in any house made of bread and cakes and candy. A ton of chests in the corner filled with pearls and precious stones. Pirate treasure. You know, why not? I mean, why wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. For some reason. They then set off to try to find their home. But of course, they're still lost. So after a few hours, they come upon a body of water with no bridge. What to do? Well, conveniently... As seems to happen in these stories, a white duck shows up because of reasons, and they have this idea to ask the duck if he'll give them a ride to the other side of the body of water. How big is this duck? Must have been a huge duck is all It's I like one say. of those pool floaty type ducks. Ooh, I doubt it, but now it that you've said that, it is literally the only way I can envision <laughs> How else could they both really fit is. on a duck? 
but it wasn't as large as maybe a pool floaty because it took two trips, one for each child. Okay. Then the way home became more familiar, and they find their home. And then there's this line. The man had not had a quiet hour since he left his children in the wood, but the wife was dead. <laughs> I didn't say how. <laughs> That's literally what it said. And maybe he killed her. Uh, so it doesn't say how she died. I guess we're to assume from the famine, but hey, mm-hmm. use your imagination. And how do the children react? Well, of course, Gretel opens her apron and pours out all the pearls and precious stones, and Hansel starts shoveling them out of his pocket as well. And then... They live happily ever after. So what do you think of this particular story? When I hear about Hansel and Gretel, all I can think about is the Bugs Bunny cartoon, which I think is honestly the definitive retelling of this story. But I want to hear what you think. I think it sounds almost exactly like what we read as children, which was pretty dark for them burning the witch in the oven. It is basically the same story, but... If you read the story itself, it's very short, compact, and the witch just comes across as just pure evil. So you're not really capturing it, me summarizing it, but I didn't want to just read you the story. I wanted to, you know, give you, you know, my dissection of the the, the Your themes, interpretation. The, the thoughts, the processes that went into this psychopath of writers these guys are. But, yeah, I mean. My favorite part is the duck floaty raft thing. You don't like the witch getting thrown in the oven and burn up. No, I do like that, but that's old news. That I, old I didn't know there was a duck raft floaty. Well, pool, you, you pool floaty. doesn't say pool floaty, but this was translated. Well, I, you know, when things are passed down with oral tradition, they always change every time. So I'm adding this little detail. Yeah. And it was translated from German into English so mm-hmm. very well that it might have well, said I'm translating floaty it. in German and they just didn't translate it properly into the English. That's true. It's entirely possible. Okay, so let's get to one a little bit more adult then. Okay. You know, I was just trying to give you the stories that you're familiar with. So the rest of the ones I'm reading you, you probably have never heard of. Mm. This story was called The Girl Without Hands. And this story is about a poor miller who decides that he's going to make a deal with the devil in exchange for his daughter for riches. So you can sort of tell where this one is going to be a really uplifting story like some of the others on the list what will be is a miller i think they're the kind of people that like grind up grains and wheat mm. and stuff like a millstone so not a wealthy person no they're not a wealthy person so basically this is like the nickelback song how so the one where he's like i'm tired of standing in line to clubs i'll never get in <laughs> like the bottom of the ninth and I'm never going to win. Can you sort of see like yeah. this, this is happening. The yeah. story's happening. And then that, what's that dude's name? Is that Chad Kroger? Is yeah. that that other band? He just like yeah. walks up with a guitar. I'm sick of standing in line, trying to mill away some grain. <laughs> the devil's here. And he says he won't get paid. I don't even cut my hair. Change, change my, my name. name. See? Basically, I think, I think this story, is where I don't think I need reading. I think this is where he got this from. Probably. Mm-hmm. But the devil doesn't want the girl just as she is. He gives the miller instructions on what he must do to complete the deal. You see, he has to cut off both of her hands. For what purpose? You see, the girl is very pious and did not sin. And she would continuously wash herself. And the devil did not like that. Hmm. He could only have power over her if she was dirty. 
I guess maybe there's some kind of deeper meaning to this story than what it is just physical yeah. on the outside. Something about dirt adhering to a person. The devil can get to him, and if it ain't there, then he has no claim on him. I ain't saying it is. I ain't saying it isn't, but it sounds like a theme, doesn't it? So cleanliness is next to godliness. No, you're totally true. missing the entire point of what I'm saying. But yes, that is what the old folks say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so then the water was taken away. But she would weep on her hands, and her hands would be clean. And that was good enough to keep the devil away, apparently. He just didn't want her to have any kind of cleanliness about her. And that meant he had no power over her at the time. So even after her father cuts her hands off, because of course he does cut her hands off, she still weeps on the stumps that are left behind, and the devil still doesn't have power over her. I've got to admit, that's a little messed up. Yeah, that's kind of gruesome. That's kind of messed up. So the devil has no choice but to renounce his claim over her, and the girl decides to leave home. Of course, who wouldn't? Got to get out of here. Get out of here. She's still standing in lines, you know? <laughs> she needs a old tour bus full of, or a new, new tour, tour bus, bus full of old, old guitars. guitars. There you go. She eventually runs into a king, because in what story does that not happen? who makes her replacement silver hands as you do. But God is so pleased with her purity and piety that he gives her new natural hands. So I guess that story must just end happily ever after. So they regenerate back yeah. to normal hands. So God gives her hands back. Well, I think this is one of those things meant to scare children into keeping themselves clean. Because you don't want to have your parents have to cut your hands off. I actually think it's an allegory for sin and keeping yourself pure from sin being the dirt is what I think it's trying to get at. Yes, but if you're talking to little children, first got to start with just washing your hands. Wash your daggum hands, kid. Do you want Satan to come here? <laughs> I will cut your hands off. I will do it right out. now. You know, you know, you know, Crystal would. She, she probably did tell our kids that. So the next story is called The Juniper Tree. In this story, the wife of a rich man raises her daughter and stepson, but is envious of the boy. The boy is the child of the rich man and his original wife. When she was with him, they would pray every day for God to give them a child. One winter, under a juniper tree, the wife is peeling an apple. She cuts her finger and a drop of blood falls on the snow. So she wishes for a child that is white as snow and red as blood. Whatever that means, I don't know what that means. Maybe it's flushed complexion or something. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's like red lips. I guess. Yeah. Cheeks. Who knows? Rosy cheeks. <laughs> Six months later, she gets ill from eating juniper berries and asks the husband to bury her under the juniper tree if she dies. Then a month later, she gives birth to a baby boy that's as white as snow and as red as blood. So, of course, she dies of happiness. <laughs> and then he buries her under the juniper tree as requested. The husband then marries again, and they have a daughter. So she loves her own daughter and hates her stepson, his new wife does. Mm -hmm. She wants her daughter to inherit her husband's wealth and not the son. So she plots against him. 
She lures him into an empty room that contains a chest of apples. Her daughter sees the chest and asks for an apple, so her mother lets her have one. And then the boy goes for one as well. But when he reaches into the chest for an apple, the evil stepmother slams the lid shut and decapitates him. Seems like I've heard this extreme? story before. Sounds familiar, else. doesn't it? Sounds yeah. a little Cinderella y, doesn't it? Yeah. Is this supposed to be Snow White? No, it's not. This is a completely different story. Not in any way influenced by that. Uh She then binds his head back onto his body and props him on a chair outside with an apple in his lap. Of course, the boy's sister is not in on this plan, so when she sees him propped up in a chair, she asks him for an apple. But for some reason, he's not very responsive to her (laughs) requests. So when he doesn't respond to her, the stepmother tells the daughter to hit him in the ear, which makes his head (laughs) fall off and roll on the ground. I love this for her. Can you imagine (laughs) reading this as a bedtime story? This childhood drama. You knocked your brother's head off. It's in the floor. (laughs) But wait, there's more. Of course, the sister loses it and cries for the rest of the day. But what does the stepmother do? If your guess was to dismember the body and cook him into a soup for dinner, then ding, 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 you're correct. Does she feed him to his father? It seems like you've guessed this story. But it doesn't stop there. She later tells her husband that his son isn't there because he stayed at his great uncle's house. So the husband eats the soup and says it's the best thing he's ever had. The sister then gathers her brother's bones and buries them beneath a juniper tree. As soon as she does this, a mist emerges from the tree and a beautiful bird flies out. The bird then goes to the townspeople and sings about how it is the boy and that as a boy it had been brutally murdered. Some of the townspeople, a goldsmith, a shoemaker, and a miller tell the bird if it will sing the song again because they were captivated by its song, they would give it a gold chain, a pair of red shoes, and a millstone. Wow. A millstone. (laughs) The bird then takes the chain to his father and the shoes to his sister. But what does the stepmother get? I think you know what's left out of this collection. So the stepmother is complaining about raging fires within her arteries and so goes outside to try to find some relief. Well, when she does so, she gets her present. The bird drops the millstone on her head and kills her instantly. She had that coming. She really did. (laughs) She did. Then, surrounded by smoke and flames, the son, who was, of course, the bird, emerges and is reunited with his family. They celebrate and head inside for some lunch and are, of course, from that point on, happy ever after. Because I guess nobody liked the stepmother anyway. So he turned back into a boy. Yeah. Just just turned back into a boy. Uh, and like do. his father doesn't like have any repercussions from like realizing he ate his son well maybe he didn't know it doesn't say that she ever told him what happened oh, okay that was a little bit much 
It was sort of a for thing. For a child, I think. Yeah. Well, this next story is even better because it seems like it's geared towards small children. Okay. This story is called The Death of the Little Hen. Oh, is this like Chicken Little? But yeah, except everyone dies. <laughs> okay. This one's messed up because literally everyone dies. And somehow this is a children's story. This is a very short story, so I'm just going to go ahead and just read the story. Once upon a time, the little hen went with the little cock to the nut hill, and they agreed together that whichsoever of them found a kernel of a nut should share it with the other. Then the hen found a large, large nut, but said nothing about it, intending to eat the kernel herself. The kernel, however, was so large that she could not swallow it, and it remained sticking in her throat, so that she was alarmed lest she should be choked. Then she cried, Cock, I entreat thee to run as fast as thou canst, and fetch me some water, or I shall choke. The little She's cock, saying this with it stuck in her throat. Yeah, she did, and she said it just like I'm saying. Okay. The little cock did run as fast as he could to get to the spring, <laughs> and stop looking at me like that, and said- I love this story. <laughs> Stream, thou art to give me some water. The little Stream. hen is lying on the nut. Hill and she has swallowed a large nut and is choking. Hold on, wait, wait. I gotta get all the characters straight. We got hen, cock, Con and stream. Stream so far. Stream is a, a stream. character. It's a stream that is also a character. Okay. It gets crazier. Okay. The well answered, first run to the bride and get her to give thee some red silk. So the little cock ran to the bride and said, Bride, you are to give me some red silk, and I want to give red silk to the well. The well is to give me some water. I am to take the water to the little hen who is lying on the nut hill and who has swallowed a great nut kernel and is choking with it. The bride answered, calmly, of course, First run and bring me my little wreath which is hanging to a willow. So the little cock ran to the willow and drew the wreath from the branch and took it to the bride, and the bride gave him some water for it. Then the little cock took the water to the hen, and when he got there, the hen had choked in the meantime and lay there dead motionless. So that got, you know, that escalated quickly, I guess. Then the cock was so distressed that he cried aloud, and every animal came to lament the little hen. And six mice built a little carriage to carry her to the grave. And when the carriage was ready, they harnessed themselves to it, and the cock drove. On the way, however, they met the fox, who said, Where out there going, little cock? I am going to bury my little hen. May I drive with thee? Yes, but seat thyself at the back of the carriage. For in the front my little horses could not drag thee. Then the fox seated himself at the back, and after that the wolf, the bear, the stag, the lion, and all the beasts of the forest did the same. Then the procession went onwards, and they reached the stream. How are we to get over? said the little cock. A straw was lying by the stream, and it said, I will lay myself across, and you shall drive over me. But when the six mice came to the bridge, the straw slipped and fell into the water, and the six mice all fell in and were drowned. A straw? A straw, literally a straw, like, like a piece of a straw not, plant. Not the straw you drink with. No. Okay. Then they were again in difficulty, and a coal came and said, I am large enough. I will lay myself across, and you shall drive over me. So the coal also laid itself across the water, but unhappily just touched it, on which the coal hissed and was extinguished and died. So for some reason, there's a living piece of charcoal oh. that just touches the water, and dies. When a stone saw that, 
it took pity on the little cock, wished to help him, and laid itself over the water. Then the cock drew the carriage himself. But when he got it over and reached the other shore with the dead hen, and was about to draw over the others who were sitting behind as well, there were too many of them. The carriage ran back, and they all fell into the water together and were drowned. Then the little cock was left alone with the dead hen, and dug a grave for her, and laid her in it, and made a mound above it, on which he sat down and fretted, until he died too. And then, everyone was dead. The end. This really sounds like the story of your life. Like all these convoluted things that I go just from one to thing to another. Is, yeah, and then it's like... Ends with me dying. <laughs> well, this is where we are right now. I know. And <laughs> this is where and we it's are. it's still not working. <laughs> it's still not working. I'm literally about to pull my hair out. I just, I can't make anything work. <laughs> but really, if you, if you dig deep and analyze that story, this is you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. This is me. Uh, I can't do anything <laughs> right, no matter what I use. It just doesn't work. So I'm sure there's a lesson to be learned I just told here. you the lesson. Uh, not for just me, but for other people. But for the life of me, I can't figure out what it's supposed to be. But I think the reason I can't figure it out is because it's literally about me. And the yes. people in the stories never get the story. Yeah, they don't. So They just die. Yeah. So let's go to something <laughs> a little bit more lighthearted that might not have anything to do with me. And this is a story about, uh, you know, a little um, dwarf that kills everybody. This is the story okay. called The Blue Light. In this story, an old soldier runs into a dwarf that it turns out he is able to command. So the dwarf gives the soldier prestige, riches, and the king's daughter in the middle of the night. And what does he do with her, you think? Why, he forces her to clean, of course, because... That's what well, you Well, this do. is a children's story. This is so a I children's guess. story. She has to <laughs> Women will clean your that house. That is what they do. And he has the dwarf actually capture her every night because his lot of stuff needs to get clean. Yeah, lots, lots of cleaning. Of lots of cleaning. Clean. A lot of cleaning going on. She is able to prove that the man is capturing her, so the king arrests the soldier for his crimes. So what is there to do for the old soldier? If your answer was to summon the dwarf to kill everyone, then you're on the right track. In the end, the soldier says he will spare the king's life if he gives him his kingdom and his daughter's hand in marriage. So due to his great fear, he gives the soldier what he wants, and the soldier lives happily ever after. Not the king or the princess, though, I would imagine, but the story doesn't really say, because the very last line of this story does say, the king was terrified. He threw himself on the soldier's mercy and merely to be allowed to live at all, gave him his kingdom for his own and the princess to wife. Sounds depressing. Yeah, this is for children. It's <laughs> uh, really, it's, it's, it's a great thing. Now, this story. This story that's coming up would have been one that would have bothered me as a child. And it's not even extremely. It's just something about these kinds of stories get me. And this story was called Frau Trude. Might be Trudy. I don't know. Looks Frau like Trude. Trude to me. Yeah. In this story, a young obstinate girl is naughty and pays the price. She is warned not to visit Frau Trude. 
who is, of course, a wicked and godless woman. Just like you, this girl can't be told what to do. Me? So she does what you would do in this exact same situation. She immediately goes to visit Frau. Never follow the directions. Never. You sure don't. <laughs> and when she gets there, who does she see with her in her hut? Why, the devil, of course. Does he have his pitchfork? He's just all kinds of deviling it up here. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, since the child had seen the witch in her true form, she wasn't going to allow her to escape. The witch then turns the girl into a block of wood and throws the block of wood onto the fire. The block is consumed by the fire and the witch warms herself by it and she's pretty happy about it. The end. So I'm guessing this is a story about obeying your parents because this is not a story where the main character comes back. So you would have been afraid of this as a child? No, I would have been like mentally messed up by like this little girl just wanted to see what's going on. She got turned into wood and she got thrown on the fire and she got burned up. It's sort of like that story about the witches where they turn the kids into the mice. You oh, remember yeah, that? the witches. Yeah, that's so messed up. And this that really bothered me as a child. And this sort of would have bothered me, too. So I'm glad that my parents didn't read bedtime stories <laughs> to me. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Well, actually, my dad did tell me bedtime stories. Yeah. Except they were way weirder than this. And now things are starting to click and make sense. That is why you are who you are now. That's one of the reasons. So I think at this point, we've gone pretty much far enough for this episode. So it's actually going to end up being that we're probably going to need to tell a lot more stories in another episode. What do you think? Yeah, these bedtime stories are making me sleepy. No, that's just being around me. I'm incredibly <laughs> boring. But we'll continue this series in an upcoming episode because there's a lot more messed up stuff that the Brothers Grimm had to talk about. And Look they at get, you, writing a two-part episode. They get worse. Oh, I they can't wait, worse. actually. Like, there's one story that is just is bad. It's really? just bad, and it's a children's story. I don't understand it. Well, you're very sensitive. I am very sensitive. I'm very, I'm a very kind and tender-hearted person. Let's play this episode for a bunch of children and see what they think about it. They'd probably start crying when they see my face, which is what little <laughs> children usually do. Just seeing my face makes them cry. This is horrible. But we haven't got to the stories yet. <laughs> no, you have to tell everybody. I really am a very tenderhearted you and are. kind individual. You are. And I'm not just telling you to say that, even though I'm literally actually telling you to say that. You are very tenderhearted. I am extremely You can't even watch commercials where they have animals for like the abused animals oh where you donate well, at this money point, i think it's SPCA. time for us to go ahead and insert graphic here yeah <laughs> what, what we're, we're watching. watching so one of our i see there i did it i said so that's so? that's the word shot shot shot. Word. shot 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 <laughs> one of our favorite shows came back on recently and that would be the shutter series creep show and we have watched several episodes as a matter of fact the whole season we watched it all, yeah. but one in particular seemed to work really well with the theme of this episode that we're talking about and that of course would be season four episode number six which includes baby teeth these shows typically split into two stories per episode, so they're relatively short, but I think that this one is interesting in a few ways, even due to its brevity. The synopsis of this episode says, Shelby's mom struggles to accept that her baby is growing up, 
but hanging on to childhood relics isn't as harmless as she thinks. So this story mainly takes place in a girl's home, and she's there. I think the her friend is spending the night with her here, right? And I think she's just visiting because the girl just had her yeah, just had teeth. surgery. Yeah, had like oral surgery on yeah. her teeth, and teeth play a big. And the mother here. has been collecting all of her baby teeth her whole life. For some reason. And not just collecting them like some parents do. but it's like, like I it's happen to have my children's wisdom teeth, which is super weird because they're very big and gross. And I do have them, which is weird. But this mother but at least it's not for the same reason no, well, that Shelby's mom does. No. And as you find out, she seems kind of neurotic at first. Like she wants to cast. She has this amulet that she wants her daughter to wear and her to wear and she just seems very superstitious Mm -hmm. in this episode and then you find out as things go on and times happen that maybe she might not be quite as superstitious as you thought and maybe they should have left the daggum baby teeth well enough alone i'm just gonna say fairies that's it that's all you really need to say like the tooth fairy but but way more tooth fairy but more fae more Faye, yeah. which we talked about Faye in another episode yes, somewhere. Yes, and I wish we had had that, like this for that too. That yeah. would have worked well we for could either. We still go back and just stick it in. <laughs> it worked for either. So this episode, like most creep show episodes, they, they're sort of horrific, but at the same time, they're comedy. Yeah. A lot of it's like, it's dark comedy is basically what creep show is. So I can't really give away more of it without giving away the story. But like she said, fairies are involved. And as with most creep shows, not everybody survives to the end of the episode. No, so, it was a little so bit me, of a twist. Tell me what you thought about this particular episode of Creep Show and what would be your arbitrarily chosen dog treat rating on our 1 to 12 scale that we, for some reason, still use. Uh, I would give it an 8. And why? Uh, I thought it was interesting take on keeping your children's baby teeth. We're not quite sure. What was really, really cool was we had just done the episode of the Green Children of Woolpit, and we watched that like the next night. Yeah. And no idea the show existed. Yeah. Or at least this this topic of the well, show yeah. existed. And so in the script for that particular episode, I had gotten a picture off the internet that's pretty famous and usually used to represent that as a really old picture. And it, AKA and it, public domain. Yeah, every time you look up the Green Children of Woolpit, you're going to see this picture. And we're watching the show, and it goes into the woman had kept her daughter's room exactly like it was when she was a baby, like a nursery. Yeah. She had a different room, but they, she kept that room the way it was. And when she goes in there over the crib, I think they had that painting on the wall as like a that little exact painting. I actually exact. think I'm the one that noticed it and mm-hmm. pointed it out to you. I said, Hey, that looks just like that picture yeah, that like, we that just used it. on our previous episode. Which then when as soon as I saw it, I was like, Oh, these are fairies. This is about fairies. Like, I figured this out. I figured this out right away. Yeah. How did the mama not know? Even though the mama parent, I, I, I can't uh, say, the I can't mom knows no something. I can't say no more. She knows something. She knows more than she ought to, and she don't share it at a time when it should be shared because it don't help much. Yeah, I really thought it was a pretty interesting episode does have a twist ending mm-hmm. though. we're not giving anything away about the twist ending by even seeing any of the stuff we say but if you know fey legends and history you can sort of guess where it goes right yeah i think you could figure it out but you'd have to sort of be versed in it mm-hmm. like i wouldn't just know this mm-hmm. reading the true yeah. blood books that i've read yeah with a lot of fey people yeah that really went off the rails when it went into fey. Ah, went crazy 
So my rating for this episode is I think I might go ahead and give it an eight as well because I, I liked it. It's it's few and far between where a show can surprise me and I'm genuinely shocked by something that happens. And this isn't one of those shows, but <laughs> but it comes kind of close. close. It comes stuff happens I didn't expect to happen the way it happened. And the very end of it, you're like, oh, well, I didn't see that coming. And but you sort of do. Because then you think about it after it ends and you think about the mom and you're yeah. like, yeah, this kind of makes sense. Yeah. I really loved this entire season of Creep Show. I think it's the best season they've done. Almost every story was really good. Yeah, I, I, I think agree with you on that. It was my favorite. We should do too. a mini sode where we just discuss each one of these episodes from this season. That would be great. Yeah. We I could think, do that for Patreon. Yeah, I think everyone should watch this. They should. Well, that's going to bring us to the portion of the show that we like to call Layla, Layla and, and Coffee, Coffee Talk. Talk. So please, Crystal, enumerate for me the ways in which our dogs have done things they ought not to have done, like snore in my podcast studio. Well, you asked her that because immediately you put down both their beds right in the center of the room. What do you think they were going to do? Not snore on my time. Oh, my they, time is valuable. Layla, time is money. Layla started snoring before you even got started, really. And then she was like, out. Snore, snore, snore. And I kept saying, Layla, Layla, Layla. She'd open her eye. Yeah. And then you had to put her out of the room. Coffee's been good. She hasn't been snoring. She's a very good girl. She's the, the main producer. I'm going to give her promotion. It's been like a couple days now that we've had a, a lot of wind out here. On the island, and the girls, they're not big fans of wind whatsoever. They hate wind. Yeah, if they're not hiding under your desk while you're working, then they're piled up on our bed trying to keep me. Terrified. Yeah, trying to keep me hostage. So, yeah, we're hoping tomorrow's a little less windy. Then you're forced to stay in bed till 1130. Yeah. And then you get out of bed at 1230. And it's really just (laughs) to protect the dogs more than anything, honestly, really, isn't it? Yes, that's why. That's not a common occurrence. It just <laughs> happened today. She did yoga at the beginning of the week and found out that yoga is, in fact, very strenuous. Well, that, and I've changed my diet, and I'm weak. So my body readjusts. By changing her diet, she means she did change her diet, and she also probably reduced it in 25%. I know. The but, amount she used to eat. But my body will get used to it. It just takes a while. A few weeks, maybe. Well, best of luck to you. I know our dogs are more than happy to eat whatever food you don't want to yeah, consume. They sure. have already proven that. And they're begging for cauliflower until you give it to them. No, Coffee actually really liked cauliflower, but Layla wasn't having it. it she sniffed sense, it and it was like, no. Not happening. She's very picky compared to compared to Coffee. She's very stuck up for a beggar, isn't she? I can't think of anything that Coffee doesn't like. Oh, wait. Green bean. She if didn't it's need not it, cooked, you found yeah. it on the floor, didn't you? Yeah, you gave it to her and she took it across the room. And then I later found it on her bed. She wanted to. Yeah, eat she it. wanted she to wanted want it. She wanted to want it so yeah. bad. So if you want to find us online, you can go to scarysavannahandbeyond.com. You can find us on all social media by looking for the user at Scary Savannah. We're going to have an announcement come out soon, which may precede this episode and release about the way we're revamping our Patreon. So we're making some changes there. So make sure to tune in and listen to that episode. We explain exactly what we're doing because it's going to affect everyone that's currently subscribed and also be awesome for you new subscribers, right? Yeah, we got some cool things coming up. 
lot of content already there that you can listen to that would take you forever yeah. to listen to. It's already loaded. So check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash scary Savannah or go to our website and click on the tab that says Patreon. You can also go visit our merch store to find awesome merch. They have a sale going on right now. If it's still going by the time this episode airs where you can get t-shirts kind of cheap, like $16 a piece, I think. And that's pretty good for a custom printed t-shirt, is it not? It is. They're really nice. And so are the hoodies that we got recently. Let's not go into detail about <laughs> the hoodies, which is not at all a fault of the company that makes no. these for us. It's entirely this my is, fault, this as is everything us. is. Yeah. So I'm going to put this on and take a picture and see if anybody can figure out what is wrong with this picture. I designed this artwork, and we'll see if she posts it on our social media or something. But if you want that design, it has been corrected and it is available. It has been corrected, but I have not replaced it yet. So it's right now what you own is a limited edition collector's oh. item with misspelling on it. Oh, well, don't tell them what it is. Uh, well, <laughs> we won't say what's misspelled. They still want to be able to see it. It'll be fine. And if you'd like to buy a crystal of coffee to keep the podcast running and fueled with coffee, please go to our website in the lower left-hand corner, click the yellow coffee cup icon, and purchase her some coffees. If you can, it would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, he says that, but what we really need money for is all the ridiculousness that he buys, such as this giant volleyball screen for this microphone. I don't think it looks that bad, actually. I'm looking at it right now on camera, <laughs> and then, yeah, it's kind of big. It looks It looks more like a, a cog. It, uh, more so a, a giant cog, cog than a volleyball. A giant cog or a black volleyball or flower. See, there you go. You could be a little bit more optimistic about it. See it as something of beauty. No, but what you don't understand is that he wants a more expensive version of this thing. Oh, I do. And I'm probably going to buy yeah, it. Yeah, so we need money for that. This podcast is not cheap. This podcast is so ridiculously expensive. It is so expensive. House and home, so, so like please support Hansel us and however Gretel. you can. We also accept PayPal donations yes. if you go to our website and click the donation tab. Yeah, we sure please. would like it because I am losing my freaking mind in this studio with audio production. I'm struggling so much for stuff that only I hear in my brain. Yeah, because no one ever has said anything about it. You're the only one that hears it. I hear myself. I know what my brain is saying to me. <laughs> it says uh, you're psychotic. I think this is a good point to say 15 small words and get out of here before we have a discussion. Did we do all the things? We did all the things. Join us next time in Savannah, where the ghosts and the good times live on. But do you know who don't? Most of the people in those grim fairy tales, but who? Every stepmother that has ever lived in Germany that had <laughs> anything whatsoever to do with the Brothers Grimm. Apparently, they gone. They did. They all did well, it. They, and had they it all coming. deserved it. Every yeah. single one of them. So I tell you what, I want you to get yourself a piece of straw. Get yourself but two not a drinking white straw. birds. No, not a drinking straw. A coal. Can it give you two turtle doves? Yeah, that's fine. Two turtle doves okay. is perfect. Get those things. Meet me at the river. We got a carriage full of funeral procession across, <laughs> and we'll see each other next week. Okay. Can we use the sea turtle to get across? Why not? It's better than a duck. It's better than choking them with your bare hands. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs>